make sure I got on. I did it. Great. Good morning. Good morning. It is great to see you this morning. My name is Anna Carlson, and I work at Cascades Camp and Conference Center. I am the Registration and Covenant, Covenant Relations Coordinator. Um, so I get to do a wide variety of things. It's very fun. And if you have attended camp in the last year, if you have uh, sent a camper yourself to uh, Cascades, you would have received an email from me um, as the registrar uh, saying, welcome, we're looking forward to seeing you and all that jazz. So it is a great honor to be here with you this morning, to connect with you, to worship with you, and to represent our Covenant Camp, Cascades Camp and Conference Center, which literally for you guys should feel like your camp, really with such a similar title, right? Cascades Covenant, Cascades Camp, Cascade Covenant. So you can just remember that. We are your camp, literally. We're also a conference center. There's two sides of what we do. We have year-round events at Cascades, uh, guest groups regularly there throughout the year, um, as well as in the summer, while we have our summer camps going on and our family camps. We also have some fun spring retreats coming up. If you want to get on our website, check it out. I encourage you to do so. That's cascades.org, cascades.org. You can check out all sorts of information. We have some great spring retreats coming up, things that include things like um, work and worship weekends that are free if you are willing to come help us work on some work projects, and then we'll have worship for you in the evenings, plus all your meals and lodging. We'd love to have you come out and help out. Um, you can find those dates on the website. We also have a grandparent camp coming up in May. And that is one of, any grandparent that's gone is typically one of their favorite things to do. It's for grandparents with uh, children in the age range of kindergarten through fifth grade. And so I encourage you to check that out. That's in May. Uh, ways that you can get involved with Cascades Camp is, first of all, come to camp. Come check us out. Uh, we'd love to have you out there. Uh, I want to say thank you because our we've had such great support from people like you, from churches like you, that in this last year, we <clears throat> completed two financial campaign funds that we've been working on. One of them was basically our pandemic fund. It was Mission Cascades, which helped us get through two really difficult years for Cascades when we basically had to shut down for almost a whole year, very minimal activity. And then as we are slowly rebuilding and revamping for, um, as we get better, as we get bigger and rebuild. So it's coming back. That was, it was a great honor to have that completed as well as we have exciting news is we have an adventure course that is being installed this spring and will be ready this summer. And it is a multi-tiered adventure course with ropes and different, um, different uh, structures and things to challenge people. And we're excited about that. So it's something you could come check out. But that fund was also completed, the support for that at the end of the year. And we're very excited about that. Um, something else that I would ask is if you know some really awesome college age students or in that college age range, you know, the 20s that want to come work, they need something, a great adventure, 
opportunity this summer, we would love to have them work at Cascades this summer. So if you know of any, tell them to check us out. They can go to workatcascades.org. That's our hiring website. We'd love to have that. You can also ask me questions after the service. I can talk about it more. Um, and then the last thing I would say is we would love your support through prayer. Um, every summer on Friday nights, it's a big night at camp. It's a night where kids talk with their counselors. They do some indiv individual reflection time. And so we, we invite your prayers for campers and for our staff on Fridays in particular. But you can also be praying for us day in, day out, because there's lots of different things we're always working on in the preparation for our programs coming up. And then last of all, I want you to know that we pray for you. Every Wednesday and Friday when we do staff devotionals, we pray for the churches of the Pacific Northwest Conference. And so that includes you. We pray for you, your community, your staff. We are grateful for you and your support. And then most importantly for families that want to do overnight camp for your campers, we have an early registration discount March 15th. So check that out. $25 less if you registered before March 15th. And that can be really important to some people um, to save a little bit more. So I just wanted to invite you to do that. Um, so thank you for letting me be here this morning. It's exciting. I, I thought I would just let you know a little bit more about me uh, than my name and the fact that I work at Cascades. Before I worked at Cascades, I was the children's ministry director at McMinnville Covenant Church in McMinnville, Oregon. Anybody ever heard of McMinnville before? Yeah, that's right. The Willamette Valley wine region, one of the best, is great area to live in. I was there for 14 years on staff, and that is how I got to know Angela. And we did have a class together in seminary. We did overlap. Um, and then, but going back even farther before that, I was a high school history teacher. Any teachers out here? Yeah. I was a high school history teacher for several years. Um, you can see I've had a little bit of a meandering vocational path. But one thing I can tell you is that I grew up in Seattle. Uh, I went to Seattle First Covenant Church growing up with my family. I attended North Park University in the 1900s. Um, I'm not going to tell you exactly when, but it was a while ago. And uh, in the 1900s, I went to North Park. And that is how I first met Pastor Dan. It was back in our North Park days. Met my husband, Mark, there. And it was in the summers while I was at North Park that I was like, I'm going to go work at Cascades this summer. That sounds really great. And I loved it so much, I kept going back for three summers. I had a great experience. But it is through working at Cascades that really my individual faith came alive. I was challenged with leadership. I was challenged with sharing and talking with campers. And I found that I loved talking about Jesus with people. And I, loved, I found that I really loved teaching and sharing with others. So as I look back on my life, my passion for education and teaching about Jesus really was ignited in those years in college and particularly working at camp. Last thing I'll say about me is that some of my best parts 
of me are my family, my husband Mark, who's back there today, and then our two teenagers couldn't come this morning, but we have two teens that are pretty awesome, Jacob, who's about to graduate high school, and Camilla, who's a freshman in high school. We live in Yelm, literally right next door to Cascades on our own little acreage, and we've been there for a few years now in our own little corner. So that's a little bit more about me. But as we get started this morning, let's start with a word of prayer. Will you pray with me? Lord God, as we gather together today, we gather in your name, Lord. We acknowledge your presence here with us, and we praise you for your vision for this world and for us. Lord, we pray that you open our hearts this morning to hear you our eyes to see you, and our hearts and our minds to receive your word this morning. May it be pleasing to you, Lord God. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I have to admit to you that as I was preparing for this morning to talk about joy, that a number of songs came in my head the first thing I was doing. So, you know, you probably heard it before. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? There you go. Great. Yeah? Couldn't help. Got in my head. There's also the joy of the Lord is my strength. Anybody know that one? Yeah? And then um, I think one of my favorites that I especially love doing with kids uh, when I was working at the church was uh, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. perfect. That was great. Yeah, I loved those songs. Um, songs have such a dynamic way to help us memorize scripture and to get in the word and help it soak into us. Just as you can see, is it soaked into me, and I can easily recall these songs from my younger years, songs that are quoting Nehemiah, songs that are quoting Philippians. Songs are great at getting into our heads, but what does it really mean to believe these songs and to live them out? How can we as Christ followers live out joy regularly? So first, as we get into this today, as we look at joy, um, I wanted, I mean, we're just going to go back a few weeks ago, several weeks ago now. Um, in December, we celebrate a big holiday, Christmas, right? And in the church, we focus on Advent leading up to Christmas, the waiting and preparing for Christmas, the birth of Jesus our Lord, Emmanuel, God with us. Do you light Advent candles here at Cascade Covenant? Yeah, okay. There should be, I had a picture of an Advent wreath to help jog your memory. But every Sunday, for four Sundays leading up to Christmas, we light a different candle. And one of those candles in those four weeks is the candle of joy. And the candle of joy reminds us that when Christ comes with Christ's birth, we are receiving joy. 
Advent is the beginning of the church liturgical calendar, big word there, but church calendar. And we start with Advent in the year because we start with the coming of Jesus. So when we talk about having joy, we have to first acknowledge that joy comes through Jesus. Comes through Jesus' coming to earth, Jesus being born, Jesus living, Jesus teaching, and ultimately his dying and his resurrecting. Because it is through that that we have the gift of joy that comes from God. As we get going here, we are going to read from the Bible, from the Gospel of John today. And in John, we're going to read chapter 15, verses 5 through 12. So let's look at this scripture today. I'm going to read it for you. You can follow along if you have your Bibles, or you can follow along on the screen, because I have it up there for you. So John 15, 5 through 12. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So let's take a deeper look into this passage. Let's try to better understand and see how joy is from and continues through Jesus and why Jesus repeats these words, so many words to us over and over. So quick review, who's our main speaker in this passage today? It's coming from the one and only Jesus, right? Jesus is speaking to his disciples. His disciples are, I mean, you could think of his disciples as his teammates. You could think of them as his closest crew, his buddies, his friends. They are his students. And Jesus says here, as he's talking to them, he says to them, I am the vine and you are the branches. So Jesus takes this opportunity to use imagery. He's using metaphor to talk to his disciples, to teach them a lesson. And so here he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. 
And in teaching them, Jesus is also teaching us. We are the branches of Jesus' vine. What do we know about a vine? It's a bush. It's a bush that grows fruit, hopefully, if it's healthy. It has a center stalk. The vine does. You can see it's pretty strong and sturdy. And from that center stalk, branches grow. They grow out of that vine, and from those branches, fruit on these particular ones and the ones that Jesus was talking about would be grapes. Fruit would grow. If you're more familiar with trees, you can think of a fruit tree with a strong center stalk and then lots of branches growing out and different fruits that grow from the tree. In this passage today, Jesus is saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But then Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you've seen branches that are taken off of a tree, they don't grow anymore on their own. So Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So if the branches remain in the vine, meaning if we remain connected to Jesus, we will bear fruit. But when we separate, when we go our own way, we are nothing. Jesus keeps saying the phrase in there, remain in me. And whenever you hear Jesus being repetitive, when he's, emph- he's emphasizing something when he does that, as you know, I'm sure you know that. So another word that you could replace remain with, and in some translations it says this instead, which is abide. Abide in me. Other ways to define remain and abide, even though they are synonyms, another way that they can be defined as is to dwell, which is to live with or in. Another way to think about it is to be in like a continual state of being with something. So when Jesus is talking about remain, and he says, remain in me as I remain in you, as I remain in the Father, remaining then is this continual state. Remaining strengthens. It has a source of life that is coming from Jesus. It is coming from the vine. In other words, when Jesus says to remain or abide in him, he is directing his disciples, his students. He's directing us to continually be connected to him for strength, for life. 
It's just like how with that vine image or with a tree, the rain, the sun, they are sinking into the ground. The trunk is absorbing those nutrients. And it is the trunk or the vine that is then giving that out to each branch, each leaf, each fruit. In fact, Jesus goes on to say this next part. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Jesus is making a very strong contrast here. He's saying that a branch is going to die. It will wither when it's disconnected from the vine. And his imagery is really emphasizing his point. A believer who does not remain connected to Jesus will wither and decay. It will struggle harder. Maybe not harder, but like it will eventually die. Or even as he declares, it will get picked up and burned, thrown away, discarded. I appreciate Jesus' vivid imagery and metaphor here. We can very tangibly imagine the difference between being connected with Jesus and being disconnected with Jesus or disconnected from Jesus. Being connected to the vine will bear more and luscious fruit. Thus, staying connected to Jesus, living with him, will produce goodness, patience, peace, faithfulness, kindness, love, and joy. Sound familiar? These are life-giving qualities. On the other hand, breaking from the vine, disconnecting from Jesus is the opposite. Disconnection leads to decay. Rot can develop, and then it has to be tossed away. Just before the section that I read in the passage, Jesus is calling out the need for pruning branches. And he says that God is the gardener who prunes. God cuts back a branch so they can continue to grow healthy. And it's again another image we can think about pruning. And usually the result of pruning is that a bush grows bigger and better. It certainly stays strong and healthy when it's been pruned. I see this each spring when I cut back my lavender, when I cut back all my, my spring plants, and then as they, and they look to me like, oh, I hope they're going to make it, you know? I hope it's going to be okay. And it surprises me, but they come back healthy. They come back strong. And if we're struggling, if one's struggling, I often prune that struggling branch, and it will get, begin to regenerate, regrow healthier, stronger. So pruning is not killing or destroying the vine. Pruning cuts off the things that are getting in the way of staying connected. 
Pruning cuts off the things that are getting in the way from our source. Preventing that fruit from growing. Preventing those healthy, life-giving qualities. Pruning trims back the extra and the distraction so that the branch can continue to grow. Stay strong and hopefully bear more fruit. We experience a wide spectrum of weather down at Cascades Camp. I'm sure we don't get the amount of snow that you guys get here in North Bend, but we do get a, a wide variety. Um, particularly, we can see, or since I've moved there, I can see more windstorms, which you might be thinking, like, there's probably not more windstorms, and there's not more windstorms, but they're more noticeable to me at camp than they have been in previous places I've lived because of the trees revealing changes after a storm. When the winds pick up around us, because we are surrounded by forest, as North Bend is too, because we are surrounded by forest, so when the winds pick up and the rains get really heavy, or in the case not too long ago, hail starts, it's noticeable as you drive or you walk through camp, it's very noticeable. Fur needles everywhere. Fur cones, branches blown down, and sometimes even a tree itself falls down over a road or a pathway. And we've got to take care of it. I, had it. I have some images of trees falling at Cascades. This happens every year for us. These branches that fall, they're usually the tree debris, are elements of the tree that have died. They no longer are connected and receiving the nutrients from the tree. So they fall in the wind. As a result, when I am in the forest of camp, like I saw on our drive through here, I am reminded that my faith is a branch of Jesus' vine. My strength, my joy, my love come through him. I can't do it all on my own. I need that life-giving source. Because Jesus redeemed us through his death and resurrection. At the end of this passage today, Jesus talks about love and joy. As the, this is what he says. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And finally he says, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Jesus has heavy emphasis here on remaining and love and joy. Jesus repeats these so many times that we have to pay attention. Clearly it is important to Jesus' followers, for 
Jesus' followers, to remain connected to Jesus. He is foreshadowing something for these disciples. They don't know it yet, but he is telling them, you need to remain in me, and I will remain for you. Because we cannot live joy and love apart from Jesus. These gifts are filled and maintained when rooted firmly in Christ. So Jesus says to remain in his love, be obedient to God's commands, and we will experience joy. Our joy will be complete, he says. So how can we be full of joy Maintain our joy through the ups and the downs of life. Those highs and those lows that we experience on a daily basis sometimes, weekly, seasonal. That is the question for us today is how do we maintain joy? How do we stay joyful? This reminds me of the delightful Disney Pixar movie, Inside Out. Has anyone here seen it before? Maybe, maybe not. If you haven't seen it before, I encourage you to. It is a good one. But if you haven't seen it before, Inside Out is an animated movie, and it's a vivid depiction of the feelings in a coming-of-age girl going through a major life transition. The movie, though, centers on the girl's emotions, which have been personified into characters in the movie that are operating the girl's emotional memory center. And the leading emotion character in the film is Joy. Joy is kind of the leader of the team of feelings. However, Joy is trying to prevent sadness and anger and disgust and fear from changing the girl's memories, from taking over these older memories that she had as she is going through this developmental shift in life. And so with the girl's new life, memories or her new life experiences, her feelings begin to change, which shift how she sees herself. Memories that were once categorized as joyful begin to kind of bleed in with maybe some sadness or maybe some fear, maybe anger. And eventually, spoiler alert, it's not too bad, but if you haven't seen it, Joy realizes that the girl can have multiple feelings that coincide in her memory center. So sadness and anger and fear can coexist with joy. We often associate joy most easily in momentous events like weddings and births, finishing school, a team's winning season. 
Yet joy is not exclusively experienced in major events. Joy can be in the little things that we recognize as joyful. The challenge is to carry joy in spite of our circumstances. Jesus is teaching to the disciples in this passage about remaining in him. Does not relieve the disciples from hardship. In fact, his next lesson in the next paragraph is again basically telling them that they are going to have hardship. It will be hard for them to be his friends. His teaching is that their relationship and abiding faith in him will bear the fruit of joy. And it would also bear love and it can also bear peace. That's different from being happy all the time. And happiness is not what Jesus was teaching. Being joyful when hurting, when suffering or challenging circumstances. That's what he's alluding to. The pastor and author Barbara Brown Taylor writes about um, what she calls full solar spirituality. And it really stuck out to me. Um, For her, it's the idea she explains as moments when one person minimizes another person's dark and challenging experiences, these periods of life that we have. And the minimization comes from focusing solely on the light believers should be for God or that they should have with God. Solar spirituality, then, is when we tell a person to try harder, try not to feel down because of what they're going through. Maybe be a little bit more faithful, pray harder. All meant in good intentions, but it leaves little or no room for when hardship and grief and pain are overwhelming. In Here and Now, the book by Henry Nouwen, he says, Jesus shows both in his life and his teachings that true joy often is hidden in the midst of sorrow and that the dance of life finds its beginnings in grief. The cross is a symbol of death and of life, of suffering and of joy, of defeat and of victory. It's the cross that shows us the way. This is emotional and spiritual wholeness, an understanding that a variety of feelings can be and often are integrated. It's not minimizing the pain, the loss and grief that comes from death, intense conflicts, in different relationships, whether it's marriage or a coworker, a friend, a child, injustices, discrimination, hurtful words. The joy Jesus wants complete for us is not without hardship, but it can exist amidst it and is possibly 
recognized more fully in those moments. We learn from the Apostle Paul in the New Testament about having joy in challenges, joy in pain, joy in suffering. He talks about that quite a bit. And in Philippians 4, Paul says, like the song I sang earlier, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. Paul is not ignoring his circumstances here. He is not dismissing them or avoiding them. He's also not gloating his hardship. He's not arrogant about it. He is trying to acknowledge to the Philippians that he has been and is in rough times. He's been hungry. He's been in jail. But he is securing God's love for him so he can rejoice in the Lord. And he continues to abide in Christ's love for him. And that gives him strength. So joy, when integrated and strengthened from the Lord, is deeper than the feeling we can get from a Disney movie. And joy is then a part of our soul. It's a part of our being. And can be experienced and it can be carried. It may look different among each of us, how we experience joy and how we carry it. But we can foster the joy we have within us and share it with others. We receive joy from Christ. We abide in Christ. And we are strengthened to do life. We do not need to hold on to joy for ourselves solely. Instead, Jesus is inviting us to carry that joy. Human beings are social. We are social. We long for connection with others. I think we saw that in the pandemic, right? It was hard to be away from people and not be interacting. When I asked our camp staff recently how they have experienced joy, within, you know, the last few days or the last week. Each story was a connection that that, that person sharing had with another being. Situations of like a parent connecting with their child, friends connecting together, connection with pets, dogs, even connecting with a stranger at a store through conversation. It was moments of connection that underscored joy in each of these examples through community and fellowship and connection. We can give and receive joy. As we abide in Christ's love, joy is received. It is sustained. That is, it's maintained and Christ's joy can then permeate through us. 
we can have joy down in our hearts, like that kid's song. We do have joy down in our hearts. And that is like the branch abiding in the vine when we abide in Jesus. That means you have the Lord's life and the Lord's love running through you. Like it is running through your veins. You can have confidence as Christ had confidence in God. That the Lord will be faithful to you. That the Lord will strengthen you when you are finding it too hard to do so. In your high points and in your lowest moments, while you remain in that vast, abounding love of God. And we can rejoice in the Lord always because God is faithful and at work in us and through us. So as you think about this Bible passage today, as you think about the vine that is Jesus, and we, the branches, firmly implanted in Christ, through Jesus, we can be joyful. So I have a few questions for you to think about as you go from here today. What do you need to do in your life to remain in Christ, to abide in Christ? How can you experience joy when it's hard and you're struggling? How can you rejoice in the Lord today, this week? And finally, how can you carry joy? How can you permeate joy as you connect with others? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that you are a God of joy, that you are a God of hope and peace and love. Thank you for entering into this world, showing us that we can carry joy, integrated in our being with grief and with sadness, happiness and fear. Help us to seek you in the deepest parts of our beings, Lord. Form us and fill us so that we can complete your joy and love throughout your kingdom, Lord. We pray this in your name, for you are creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen.